Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts on all things health and wellness to help y'all sort out your mind, your body, your movement, all the things. Um, we got a quote today. I'm gonna start the episode because this is a highly controversial episode. So screw it. May as well start with controversial quotes from uh, Ben Franklin. Ben says, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Interesting. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. That is a pretty darn powerful message from Ben. Uh, This conversation, we discuss what the heck is going on in the world um, with my friend, Dr. Christian Gonzalez. He is a medical doctor uh, with a very expansive perspective on holistic medicine as well as um, the allopathic model. And in this conversation, we go over what I think would make a ton of sense for mainstream media to be discussing more of, which is how does a person develop their own immune system? For the most part, people that are being uh, impacted the most from the present state of the coronavirus uh, are people with comorbidities, people that already have illnesses going on or diabetes or obesity. It's super fascinating, more alarming, that we're following suit with the stereotypical model of Western medicine and looking at the topical remedy of there will be a savior coming. Um, And that's not to take away from vaccines or anything. I don't don't really have an opinion on vaccines because I'm just not smart enough to understand what the right response is. but undoubtedly culture people individuals government media all of that um, it would be wise to also be looking at it from a a bottom up or from what's happening internally with our movement with our access or exposure to nature with our uh, nutritional intake with our sense of purpose with all of these other elements that impact the way that we produce ourselves at a physiological level. Um, it's unbelievable that we're not even like talking about that in mainstream media. Like people just don't get messages about that. Um, so that was the focus of this conversation. We also get into some of the specific numbers uh, because there's been an immense amount of fluctuation throughout this last two month period or so during the whole pandemic shutdown global crisis stuff. Um, so this was a very refreshing look at what is going on and um, just another perspective to chew on i don't think that there is any one perspective that is absolutely right perhaps there is but i don't know that anybody really knows what the heck it is Um, and uh, i think this is one that will at least leave you healthier um, at an individual level and i think also healthier at a, a cultural level I think that uh, this is really valuable information. I greatly appreciate Dr. Gonzalez bringing it to us, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. Um, I really appreciate you guys leaving reviews on iTunes. I appreciate you sharing this with your friends. Uh, I read every single review on that iTunes, and uh, it really means the world. Uh, If you guys are interested in breaking down how to sit in 
a functional fashion while you're at home, at your home office, or if you're traveling in your car, any of that stuff, there are some simple fundamental mechanics that will help you alleviate things like back pain uh, and create a bit more spaciousness in and around those joints around your neck and your shoulders so they're not collapsing forward and the forward head posture and all that stuff. And you can learn a bit about that at alignpodcast.com and uh, just jump onto there and you will see access to a video that I broke down, breaking down how to integrate more effective sitting mechanics into your daily life. It is a big deal. And then from there, there's all sorts of more free stuff. The first week of the online program is completely free as well. We get into breath practices and all sorts of good things in there. So if you're stressing out, we got information for you. Uh, I appreciate y'all tuning in and I hope you listen to this conversation um, with a open mind and um, also take this conversation and any other conversation on mainstream media, media or podcast or wherever with a grain of salt and um, yeah, really do what is best for you and make sure that you are taking care of yourself, drinking good water, drinking enough water, um, eating leafy greens and diverse colorful fruits and vegetables and uh, make sure that you are maintaining good social engagement even if it is social distancing. Make sure that you are engaging, make sure that you're connected with the world because that is a big part of our nutritional intake is socializing. We are social creatures, these human beings. And if we permit ourselves to forego um, our rights as people, uh, I personally have a tinge of concern that it may be challenging to get those back. And so that that is in part why I wanted to, to release this episode. And in large part, I'm gonna kind of keep my nose out of all this stuff. But um, yeah, I wanted to, wanted to talk it out with Dr. Christian Gonzalez. So here we go. Back to the show with Dr. G. How's life been through this whole debacle? We're at month. What day are we at from shutdown? Uh, who's been counting? Have you been counting? No. I can't even find out what day we've been at since Monday. What is it? What was it? March? End of 12th? March. 13th or something like that oh no yeah it was middle middle of march now is may 7th yeah how's it affected you uh work-wise business-wise not too much which has been a good thing um in a positive way actually to be honest i was able to do a lot more inner work Mm. and turn off you know like you and me are always running around and involved in something we're very social people Mm. and it's allowed me the space to actually just turn off my brain Right. Like not like don't have to network today. Don't have to be social today with friends. Like can just turn off and be like, OK, like that's fine, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had a lot of issues doing that for quite a while. I always felt like I need to be doing something. Yeah. I was saying that with as you were saying, like the quality of the podcast got diminished, whatever diminished yeah. means. But because of, you know, I got to record in my living room now and you yeah. know, do all these different things. Yeah, you got to adjust. And I've personally found almost like a little bit of a perhaps like a resetting or reevaluation of like what is important, yeah. you know, and part of me, I'm not going to stop doing the podcast, but part of me was just like, ah, Let's just take a break. Do I even give a shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, is I, cool. I, yeah. It's hit me too. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're on the train of like, okay, I guess my downloads, I need to get me connect with this part of the, mm-hmm. you have all this different, you're in this tunnel vision of what you need. And then all of a sudden the tunnel gets blasted apart 
and you can start to reevaluate what you actually yeah. need, which I think is actually really cool. Yeah, I felt like this this overwhelming reconnecting to being just simplicity, and I was like, oh, okay, like it's this. I was overthinking so much of life before the quarantine, mm. and um, and me just as an individual, like w- how I define my avatar. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, oh yeah, let, let we can make it simple, Christian. Yeah. Or even my capacity for stress. I was getting way too stressed out, way too fast. My cup was filling up too fast. So n- just able to like spread out my schedule has been much better too. So what's the the avatar? What was the perception of the avatar before? compared to present i think it was just much more connection to like doing like what i was doing you know what i was involved in and now i'm just like now i just want to live in the woods (laughs) totally (laughs) you know like survival skills yeah now i'm like i want to make bunny pelts like (laughs) i want to make vegan bunny pelts yeah whatever (laughs) you know i'll just eat some i'll forage some berries dude i've been thinking about that the value of one the value of relationships which that's the same as always but Mm -hmm. that becomes immensely value mm-hmm. valuable even if no matter what happens in the economy or if your job or whatever it may yeah, be if it. you have people that you really truly care about and truly really truly care about you um that's a big deal but then like having that um, the awareness that no matter what i have the capacity to go out and like survive outside of this mm-hmm. structure this mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. i am i would just i would like wither and yeah. Cry and, you know, wait for like a man to support me. <laughs> <laughs> if I was out in the woods. I'd, I'd end up being like a belladonna leaf and just <laughs> die the first day. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Have you thought about getting weapons? Yeah, I actually did. Like, I don't, it crossed my mind. Like, if, if society was to collapse, because yeah. it's a good reminder how fragile society is, right? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden we're fine uh, economically. Everything's, you know, people aren't questioning if they're going to get food in the beginning like where am i gonna get my food where am i getting my toilet paper and freaking out you know like in the snap of a finger in one week things could just shift oh dude you know and i do believe that there's like there's so much instability right now in healthcare and the economy and the government that man like uh, it just feels like something is coming to like you know capacity you know Mm -hmm. something's gonna blow Mm. and i don't know what it is if not, we are might, we might be seeing little little visions of it now, but I don't know what it is. But something's gonna happen. I feel like. Well, there isn't gonna be another normal. Yeah. You know, that's not. I, I don't think that's gonna happen anymore. And I think that. And it's it's interesting. Like the one thing that I thought was valuable about uh, the coronavirus pandemic hitting the United States was I think before this people privileged people in the united states kind of felt like that was a thing that happened mm-hmm. over there yeah you know like oh that's like some middle east stuff or yeah. some china or korea yeah africa the Ebola, yeah yeah that's not, not that's not united it's yeah. not possible yeah and so this the the actual the globalization or the, the connection of all of humanity and earth i think is much more evident that what's happening somewhere else like that no that inevitably is you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and so i think it, it, it likely and then also it's just humbling people in general like there's some there was so much spaciousness to be investing in things that you that you didn't need to impress people that right. you might actually secretly resent yeah you know and then okay you're keeping up with the joneses and yeah. now all the people that are were in that situation now they're like oh my god i need to get rid of all of this stuff mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and kind of go likely go back to something that was was simpler yeah which i think that's really valuable yeah 100 percent. i mean it's been that's how i've been experiencing a lot of this like 
again, simplicity, right? Like I was overdoing everything, um, part of my personality. But mm. um, getting back to just being reminded of the simplicity, even like time for myself, I was like, man, I have no time to myself, you know? And that was that was by purpose. But now I'm just like, I can turn it off. Like I can read a book today. I can watch a Netflix show. I haven't watched Netflix in so long. Like, mm. you know, I just, I'm just enjoying just turning it off has been very important. But yeah, it's like we see now how connected we are to nature yeah as a siren goes by yeah we're recording this out in front of my sauna in uh, front of the sauna out because uh, the sauna that would be illegal people must be on the beach right now yeah and they're after them yeah exactly yeah but like we are so much more connected like this is this if apparently didn't originate in america so but look how another country's actions can affect ours mm. right like there ain't no borders anymore right like there's there's a lot more to to understand and you know, hopefully we have more of a global perspective. So why are we not receiving any education from the mainstream lens on how to be uh, protected from any virus or pathogenic bacteria, anything from a, an internal perspective, an environmental perspective? And instead we're getting pretty much just fire hosed with like just batten down the hatches mm-hmm. and you'll be saved Mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. from this outside thing that's coming called a vaccine or, you know, whatever yeah. in 16, 18 months, just like, just shut it down. Yeah. And then at some point we'll come and we'll save you. Yeah. It's really interesting to me that, that, that we're not really coming from anything, any, any perspective really is from like information on how to stay healthy in the present moment. That's on brand with medicine. That's on brand with how we do it. You know, it's like conventionally, we will uh, adapt to what is presented without prevention and then, you know, wait until we can be saved by a drug or a vaccine. And that's what Americans want, right? They want the easy way out. But now we know that the large majority of people dying from coronavirus have comorbidities that are largely preventable and reversible through proper nutrition, education, lifestyle choices, right? What is our, how is our what's our overall metabolic status? Yeah, Paul Saladino, Carnivore MD, he said there's so many, he put up a great Twitter. He said there's so many, uh, we're talking so much about preventative techniques for the next pandemic, no conversations around nutritional or metabolic needs. That's wild, right? Because you have, number one, there's people with hypertension, um, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, lung disease, those are the top five morbidities, comorbidities that people are dying from. Like, and these are largely preventable and reversible um, based on prevention. But we don't do that. That's why. That's why. Well, like, right now, everybody's waiting on a vaccine that there has been. And t- this, is, this is very interesting for me. When I learned about this, um, two of the biggest pro-vaxxers, Dr. Paul Offit and Dr. Hotez, uh, were talking about the unique safety profile or lack of safety profile coming from a coronavirus vaccine. We tried to do it in early 2000s. And and the animals were dying, right? What do they call it, a hyperimmune response? Yeah, hyper-inflammatory response, and then dying. Um, Do you know the mechanism at all of of how that happens? um, Or maybe some sort of overstimulation of the immune system. But the thing is, it's like there's no no effective RNA virus vaccine right now on the schedule. Hmm. You know, so now... If, you know, we're waiting 16 to eight, 18 months for all of a sudden the, the perfect vaccine to come out. And Fauci was talking about something perhaps in January, which sounds like insane. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds terrifying. And it's interesting for me that Dr. Fauci uh, 
totally brushed off um, uh, hydroxychloroquinone, right? Right. Um, completely. And so there's no double-blind studies. But, you know, are they going to do double-blind studies on this vaccine? You know, yeah. it's, and it's wild because you have over 2,000 doctors in 30 different countries saying that that far and away was one of the most important interventions for preventing death from coronavirus. Mm. We're not using it. You know, um, uh, what do you think? But what's your gut reason for for why that is? Um, it's for me. There's so many medical professionals that, who prescribe medication off label. You know, where there's no double blind studies, right? But um, but to me, if so many doctors are finding that effective, I don't see why it's not being used more. We can go into conspiracy theories, but I just it, it, I, I can't explain it other than you know. What do we want to see? Maybe more deaths from Corona? Who knows? Yeah. To to justify truly like a mandated vaccination, it could be it could be possible. You know, I I'm I'm one to th- sit here and question everything. Yeah. Right. As are you. Right. We just do it from different lenses, but at the same time, we still talk about things because I don't know many people out here who's like this is this is a little crazy. This is a little bit much, especially with now what we're seeing different studies showing that like. Why were we quarantined in the first place? We were quarantined based on the predictive contagion model by Bill Gates, the World Health Organization, that was saying that 3% or so of people, 3.5% of people are going to die from coronavirus who contract it. Yep. That was the Surgeon General uh, a few few weeks ago said we're, we're ditching that whole model because of its inaccuracies, right? And now we're working with quote-unquote real data. And now that real data is showing that it's not 3.5%. It's po- possible to be as low as over uh, 0.1 to po- uh, 0.2, which is that's like flu season numbers, you know. So. And how does that? How and why does that data change with time? It changed with time because we are able to test more, and we're able to see how many more people are infected, right? And the most alarming thing is that there's a massive amount. I believe personally that there's going to be so many people infected who are going to be mildly symptomatic to asymptomatic. Yep. Right. Um, you know, like, oh God, I don't feel too good. You know, and I, you know, I have a, I have a cough and I just, I'm out for the count today. Then you get over it. You know, the problem is, is that we don't have enough tests to test for everyone who, uh, if they have coronavirus, but also we don't even know how accurate these tests are. You know, that's a problem. The PCR test isn't super accurate. And then the antibody test can have, uh, can have, uh, there's, there, there can be over, uh, estimation of different, the antibodies for a different virus can show up. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big problem. Um, but man, like if you look at, we talk about the, in Stanford, the one that came out a few weeks ago, the study, and it, and they said 50 to 85 times more people have coronavirus than expected over here in California. Hmm. That's a lot. That's, that's massive. And then we're like, oh, okay, well, what about New York? Because New York is the one that's been hit hard, uh, over two times more than any other state. And then you look in New York, and uh, f- recently the New England Journal of Medicine did this study on pregnant women who came to give birth, and they were giving them coronavirus tests. Also, just to see, have an idea, it's over 270 women. Um, but from the end of March to April, and they saw in the, these women that there was 10 times more the rate of infection in these women than what they saw in New York City as a whole, mm. right? So they're like, what the hell is going on? And then they saw 88% of those women with the infection were asymptomatic. They didn't even know they had it. That's wild to hear because how many of us are walking through uh, our state uh, not knowing we have coronavirus? Um, 
And then the last part is that New York serology study that showed that one in five, one in five New Yorkers have coronavirus, tested positive for coronavirus. That's, that's, that's uh, close to two million people in New York alone. So you take those cases, right, so many infections and cases, and you put that against the deaths that we see, which I do believe are still hyperinflated, they're hyperinflated, uh, that brings down the mortality rate. Why now. are the deaths that we see hyperinflated or potentially hyperinflated? Because of the very structure of coding uh, and death certificates, right? So the CDC, their manual says for coding for death should be precise and uh, specific always. Hmm. Then um, the coding for coronavirus is not necessarily dying from the virus, but it's, it's with the virus. Dr. Nancy Burks, she's the head of the task force in the White House, she was saying verbatim, She's like, we're taking a very liberal approach to yeah, to counting deaths. Very liberal. And then she said, uh, if you die with coronavirus, we're counting that, right? So from the top down, um, there's, there is uh, incentive. There is a financial incentive, Medicare. I'm not suggesting that doctors are coding based on that financial incentive, but that's a problem because there's a the big incentive. The incentive was like... Massive. I didn't understand how that made it. It was like 13000 in land. Yeah, so that's what Dr. Jensen out of Minnesota said, the family physician. Is that incorrect? Um, well, w when I researched what he was saying, there there is compensation around that area. That's what the, the people who were fact-checking that and going through that. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I found is that it's around that area. But what he said, it was like $13,000 per uh, patient. And those who go on ventilator, it's about $39,000. And you were saying that the ventilator potentially is it isn't always cra always what it's cracked up to well, be. Well, I'm speaking from ER physicians who are coming out and saying yeah. we the ventilators may not be working um, or they're not taking the proper steps and putting them just straight on ventilators and maybe causing more damage. Now, yeah. I'm not an ER physician. Yeah, I never yeah. did rotations in the ER, so I, 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 won't, I don't really want to get into that space. Yeah. But I'm just speaking from peop the professionals who are coming out and saying that, that, you know, we don't really know how to treat this. It's a problem. It's a big problem. And um, there is a financial incentive to put people on to ventilators, so says that stuff? Or? Based on the structure, the Medicare reimbursement, yes. But again, like I don't I don't think there's any doctor out there based on you know how we are, right? What we're here to do, doing no harm, who thinks, you know, reimbursement, put them out there. Right. But the structure, I don't know, maybe hospital administrators, this there's a problem there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um so it's kind of a mess. We got not only did we get caught flat footed because of that big lag with the CDC and testing from the first place, they didn't want to take the test from Germany, right? Right from the get go when we were warned about this, but they wanted the CDC wanted to develop their own test. And the test was so faulty, they sent it out to all these institutions and it was so faulty that it caused a three week lag. And in those three weeks, that's that is essential time in a in a pandemic, right? We have to know how many people are being infected early on. Um that caused major, major issues. I, I believe that, I believe a lot where we are, that's a, that's a big problem, how the CDC handled it in the beginning. What's happening with pneumonia and flu and all that right now? Have you looked into what the numbers are for that? No, because I couldn't see, uh, there's no, there's nothing, we don't really know the yet, flu. Yeah, early. yeah, exactly. But it is flu season yeah. right now. I mean, you start in October. Um, I believe flus will be down. Right. right. Um, I mean, you can test for influenza, Right. But the problem is, is let's say you have a respiratory disease, you know, and you have influenza, you get over it, but you have the respiratory disease, and you have pneumonia, you develop pneumonia. Right. You have a bacterial pneumonia. Right. Now you're overtaken by these bacteria in the lungs. The problem is, is that if you die from that, if you die from that pneumonia, that if let's say 
they took a history and your brother, you, you, they found out your brother had coronavirus, you, you might have had it, or you found to have coronavirus, didn't necessarily kill you. The problem with coronavirus is it's multi-systemic, right? So it's, it gets the k kidneys, it gets the lung, it gets the heart, right? So people are presenting and dying from maybe stuff they'd be dying from naturally without, if this epidemic never occurred, the pandemic never occurred, um, or they're dying from those diseases, but they are, they do have coronavirus, but it didn't cause the death. It, it's, it's a mess for me. You know, that's, that's, you can't be nowhere near precise or accurate. Just like the CDC manual says, when that's the precedent for everything, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder at what point, what about herd immunity? What are your thoughts on that as, is that inevitably the solution regardless of what we do? Or is that, what is herd immunity? Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's basically the, we will build up antibodies, right, as a society. We were talking, again, Paul Saladino, was, he was very vocal about herd immunity. Yeah. The he problem had, he is. He had many, many lashings. Many lashings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can you guys can go check out on and his Twitter and, like, yeah, or what he was saying, and he was getting a lot of comments back. But the problem is, is that for for true it, it takes seasons it's not it doesn't just happen now yeah you know it, it'll be next year right the exposures but as a whole us being protective uh, protected building up the antibodies but um i don't this is this is where this is where for me now the quarantine comes into question where we are now right it was based on though those really high numbers initially yeah. Right. Where we did think. And then do you, do you remember Dr. Peter Tia? Did you watch any of his videos? A little bit. Yeah. So he was putting out vid videos based on that oh, prediction. Yeah. Right. He, the and then predictive he contagion model. Yeah. yeah. But with those numbers, it was showing that a lot of us are going to be infected. There's going to be a lot of people dying. So I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty serious. Right. Because I was also going by the predictive contagion numbers. But once we saw that was way overstated that and that was ditched officially, um, then you look at these numbers and it's like, OK, well, we're still in quarantine. We're home, most of us. We have the luxury of being in California. We can be outside. But, you know, my friends back in the East Coast, it's cold right now, right now yeah. still. So they're home, getting hardly any movement. Every single day we're outside. We're training and retraining our immune system. We're, we're not only interacting with people, you and me talk, right, in the air, right, in, in your, throughout your house. Uh, the plants, everything, we're always retraining our immune system with bacteria and viruses. We need them. And then we're, we're coming out. We have the masks. We have the gloves. We're sanitizing everything. The question is, is like, where are we at now? Is the cost benefit a big issue? Or should we reassess, should the sick, like the people with comorbidities across the board, uh, still be quarantined? Maybe the elderly. But even at that, you know, the elderly, we have what one-fifth of the deaths in America are from the elderly. Are the elderly. You know, and uh, in Europe, it was about half. I'm surprised it's only one fifth. Yeah, that right, right really now it's, it is. But again, like we don't know if, how accurate these numbers I think are. In still. Sweden, last I checked, it was like half of the deaths. Yeah, were, half the were, deaths. Were, yeah, it's were, different. Were, in I don't know what it is now. This was uh, probably ten days ago. I looked. Yeah. So in Italy, th when it comes to age, at least in New York, so you have 18 to 45.01 percent mortality. 18 to 45. That is crazy. Isn't that kind of strange? It's always kind of thrown, thrown me off a little bit that 18 for, to 45 is together because I feel like that's putting a 19-year-old beside a 44-year-old. Yeah, which completely different immune systems. You know? I, yeah. don't, I don't know. That's Anytime I see that, I was like, or when we're seeing that, does that mean that like 
it's essentially 40 to 45, mm. you know? And they were like, it's 18 to 45. I don't know. Maybe I haven't looked specifically into yeah. it. But it feels like those are strange numbers to be together. Yeah, I mean, it's a, bit, it's a large range. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what 0.01% of the people. Um, but then you look on the CDC website, the, the elderly population, the hospitalizations are on par with the amount of hospitalizations they have from influenza, mm. which is wild, right? Like, so... I think I think a lot of it is we're seeing a disproportionate amount of hospitalizations in one place. See what I mean? Yeah. Whereas whereas if you diffuse it throughout America, so let's say flu season, right? Deaths and hospitalizations. If you diffuse it throughout America, right? We we go okay, you know, people are dying, but we don't really. It's not news coverage because all those people aren't going into one hospital or one city hospital, right? Yeah. So imagine all of the people who are going to die of flu come into all LA hospitals. LA would be going crazy, right? Kaiser, UCLA, Stanford, it would be nuts. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing. A lot of these disproportionate, the disproportionate uh, experience with Corona is happening in New York City. Yeah. So not only are yeah elderly people are going, point zero one percent of of young people are dying from it, but now we're seeing like low socioeconomic communities, which happen to traditionally have comorbidities like diabetes, hypertension, yeah, right, heart disease. And why would that be? Well, I mean, if if it's anything like where I grew up. There's, you're not going to see health food stores. You're not going to see Whole Foods. You're not going to see, you're going to see a lot of concrete. You're not going to see, you know, a lot of parks. We don't value it like we do in LA. And LA's have been a very different experience for me from the East Coast because I'm like, where are all the people who are smoking? Mm-hmm. Right? Smoke, even smoking status, like it's 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 insane. Like the people who are dying from coronavirus, a lot of them are smokers too. So now I'm like, where are all the smokers? You go to New York, you'll guaranteed see someone smoking on the street yeah um, not to mention likely living in an ongoing stress fight flight fear response of sorts we're a little more stress yeah i yeah. mean like over what is that? i was listening to noam chomsky an interview this morning and he was just referencing the financial state of most people you mm-hmm. know and most people are actually in debt you know and the people that actually own the wealth is from what noam chomsky said in this interview i listened to this morning fact check it but 0.01 percent of the global population has 20% of the world's wealth, mm. you know, and then like over 50% of people can't afford a prize $400 bill, yeah. I think it was. And yeah. There's so many people are in those situations and it's like, that's not a, a healthy physiological state to mentally, emotionally be in that place of always wondering if, you know, am I going to be able to feed myself, feed my kids at the end of this month? A hundred percent. And and that's so. what's happening with the economy. But you just think of New York as a whole. It's like, the lower socioeconomic parts, they, I used to, the, the closest restaurant, I mean, the closest supermarket was like a bodega, right? That's like a corner store that sells like, it's like a convenience store that sells like even crappier foods than like Seven Eleven. Yeah. right? Pastries and sugar, cereals, food sugar desert. sodas. Yeah. Like this is our access to food in those communities are horrible, horrible. And you know, you're obviously not going to find a Whole Foods because, you know, it's going to be more expensive. But, like, even finding a variety of produce is hard. And that's 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 sort of like the neighborhood that I remember growing up in. And it hasn't changed much because I visit New York a lot. And my aunt went to the hospital with coronavirus. And she's obese. And she has diabetes, you know. And, and she's coming from the Bronx in the community, which I know very well. So this community is hit so, so hard. And these are the people that need the education the most about not only nutrition, but like you said, movement, um, get, getting sun, grounding, anything, like just how to shift their lives and having better access to food because the, the food corporations are, have a really strong hold. 
mm-hmm. in those socioeconomic communities in, in New York City. And look, they're getting hit so hard. Yeah. And they're also looking from like a microbial perspective. The foods that they're eating aren't really mm, the optimal to yeah. create a healthy microbiome. And Inflammatory then that, and then, foods. And then that gets into hypersterilization. Mm-hmm. You know, so now all of a sudden a person starts getting sick or they see some stuff on the news that they need to sterilize everything. And meanwhile, the food that they've been ingesting for the last however long has been sterilized itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know now we're in this place where it's like yeah we actually really are vulnerable yeah you know because we've been in that bubble yeah yeah and how many of those people got the flu shot because there's an armed forces study that showed 36 percent of people who had the flu shot are going to be at increased risk of getting coronavirus and getting sick from it why would that be we don't know oh, interesting but that's the, that was the armed forces study from last year hmm. um because I know in those communities, they push the flu shot hard. You go to CVS, you go to Walgreens, right? It's everywhere. You're, they're pushing the flu shot. So, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's another question we have to the think about. The people that got the flu shot are more susceptible to coronavirus. 36%. To fatality to it, to hospitalization, to just contracting it yeah. in general? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 36% more. Interesting. Yeah. Armed forces. Ar- that's the armed forces study of 2019. They, did it, on, they did it in the military. Yeah, wild, right? So, but but now it's funny because I get a DM from someone in Australia saying the prime minister is pushing everyone to get a flu shot. I'm like, did this person read this study, or who where, who's his counsel? You know, it's wild to me. What's your stance on vaccines? Oh, <laughs> I'm no. laughing just because I know it's like a nuclear question. That is, and a you don't even question. need to answer if you're concerned. Yeah. Of you have to do an lashings. effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, my concern is that. Um, well, well, there there is some concern because of for safety studies for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I've I haven't I haven't fully been able to answer that question. I do have my opinions on it. I don't. I think it's proper to question them. Yeah, hundred um, percent, because of the lack of safety studies. And I absolutely don't think that they're safe for everyone. Hundred mm. percent. Is there is there specificity to what vaccine would fit each? individual biological makeup or is it is it work that way or does well, everyone maybe, just get I mean, the same one size fits all yeah we all no we all get the same one yeah yeah you know and it's in think about just autoimmune disease in itself you know that's a population in itself that can be theoretically affected pretty bad by any vaccination you mm. know so i think that if we want to make them better we have to learn how to at least at least biochemically make them more individualized for people mm. you know uh, because people with autoimmune disease, they can get really, really sick. Yep. And that's my concern. If there's a mandatory vaccination, many people are going to die. Mm. Right? Because you can't just put a one side. One, one. remember what I said about the coronavirus vaccine back in 2000? You know, we defined, we didn't, we, it has a unique safety pro- profile. It can cause a uh, immune response, inflam- inflammation, death that, that we saw in animals. Um, it can also cause an antibody response where literally getting the vaccine can be worse off for you than just getting the virus in itself right yep. because there's an amplification with the antibodies and this is this is not like me being like oh you know i read a study and i'm just talking about it this is from the top of the top people mm. right top pro-vaxxers dr paul offit dr hotez this is exactly what they're saying so uh, i'm concerned about any of mandatory vaccine yep. if it's not mandatory you better believe i'm not getting it yeah you know there's a lot more that we can do from lifestyle, nutrition, even supplementation, for me, that goes a way longer way than all of this. What are those things that people should be thinking about or could be thinking about? Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that there's no, like, 
study on, on um, let's say, andrographis, which is an herb, uh, and coronavirus, right? So this isn't like medical advice or prevention. Or all, all I'm saying is that the things that I know work for the body and that I would give my patients, okay? Yeah. So uh, obviously nutrition is most important, so whole foods, right? How much whole foods are you eating as a, as a whole? Because most of those antioxidants that you're getting are going to be protecting you. So we have to think about lung health respiratory health right that is the number one place you're getting affected by this virus so vitamin a vitamin e vitamin d they show that folks with vitamin d had more uh the folks with a better vitamin d status had um less severe symptoms uh versus those with severe symptoms uh and and uh, less critical conditions hmm. right so so basically better vitamin d status the more mild you are if you have uh, coronavirus hmm. or if you contract coronavirus um, so vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, mucin is an antioxidant that belongs in the, that's in the lungs. Where it does, where does one get these vitamins from, if not just supplements? And if yeah. supplements, where's the best source? Yeah, so you can get them, f you can get vitamin A from food. I know you eat meat, so people eat organ meats for this stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, you can get them from just animal meats in, in general, but you can also get them from plant-based stuff too, right? Like mm. the orangey stuff. Uh, pumpkins, butternut squash, carrots, um, different nuts and seeds. Same thing with vitamin E, nuts and seeds. You get them a lot. Beans, legumes. Um, vitamin D, man, this is the importance of being in the sun. Like, this is why I talk about the sun so much, at least getting an adequate amount, depending on your skin color, right? So the more whiter you are, you can get maybe 15, 20 minutes. The more darker skin, you're going to be at three times, like a three times lag. So you need three times more the amount of vitamin D. So for me, I'm out for like an hour. Yep. You know, because I'm pretty dark. But um, mucin is is stimulated by prebiotics. And that's a very important antioxidant to protect your lungs, mucin. So, you know, artichoke, artichoke, uh, dandelion, chicory root, garlic, all that stuff, you know, all the good stuff. And one of my favorite ones is glutathione. Mm. Glutathione you can find in different foods. Yes, you find them in uh, in animal foods and plant foods. But the thing about that is if you cook any of those foods, it's going to lose a massive amount of glutathione. So, and I'm, this is a recommendation, me uh, medical advice, but I, do, I use glutathione under my tongue liposomal mm. every day. The minute I found out like it was like this virus and it's going around, I said, all right, let me just increase my glutathione um, status in my lungs. And that helps balance pro-inflammation in the lungs. Um, and uh, it's, it's one of the most powerful things. Vitamin C, everyone should be either eating vitamin C foods every day which I am, like bell peppers, uh, guava, or citrus foods, you know, like every single day, papaya, or supplementing with it, for sure. Vitamin C is, ma it's, it is so classic, but so important for yeah. this. Um, even IV vitamin C, man, they should be giving this to people who are going to the hospitals. Isn't that crazy? I can't believe that. I mean, there's, like, you can see in the Lancet that it reduces acute respiratory distress syndrome and reduces mortality. This should be in every single hospital in America, IV vitamin C. But I have nurses DMing me and say, hey, look, I spoke about IV vitamin C with the doctor. And they laugh. Like yep. th they, they're just like, no, it's not part of our protocol. Are you crazy? And it can be saving lives, IV vitamin C. Hmm. So, th I mean, those are, those are some of the most powerful, powerful things. And there's different herbs out there, too. But, like, supporting your immune system. But the better thing is, like, eating good nutrition. Right, whole foods, different colors, variety, going outside like you always preach, getting in the sun, taking off your shoes, grounding, breathing, you know. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the most important things we can do. I wonder if all of this is creating more of a 
cleavage between more like holistic medicine and um, you know traditional like Western medicine, or if it's merging, you know. It, it, I it, it depends. I did a. Um, it depends on who you talk to, right? Yeah. I did a podcast, a Medspiration podcast, which is really big allopathic medical podcast. And we both were talking about like the Venn diagram and how we have to meet in the middle. Like yeah. this should be, if anything, a teaching lesson for how do we prevent those to never get to the hospital? Totally. Right. And we have as naturopathic and functional doctors, integrative doctors, those tools to help people and just practitioners in general, just as a whole to never get to the hospital. But when we go to the hospital, we sure as hell need the best, right? Yeah. If I, I don't, I, if I have coronavirus and I'm really sick, I want the best out there. Um, so we have to, it's important. It's really important where that we can maybe find some integrative love between each other. Because for me, I've never been, I've never wanted to be dogmatic where I'm like, this, not this. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's medicine, you know? Yeah. I wonder what your perception of mask usage is. How valuable are masks? Are the people wearing masks alone in their car? Does that make sense? Yeah. I Well... I saw an interesting meme you about did? masks. Yes, it was. Uh, I forget what the guy was, but it was. I wonder if the people that wear masks and maybe this is the right decision to do. I don't know, but the people that are wearing masks alone in their car. I wonder if they lie alone, naked, in bed with a condom on. <laughs> That's good. Powerful meme. That's a good meme. <laughs> I just pictured the like the meme and how it looked. It was a really good one. It was. Uh, yeah, it was the meme. The meme's been powerful these yeah, days. Yeah, I mean, good. I mean, it's not clear cut. Like for me, the like it can reduce respiratory droplets, right? So if I sneeze right. in a mask, it's going to be contained. Yeah. There's a double-blind study that just came out that shows, well, maybe masks are not as protectant as we thought. And mm. it actually can make people more confident being like, oh, this person has a mask. Like, I can get much closer to them, and it's fine. Mm. Um, but for me, I put on masks when I need to. Like, let's say I need to go to the store, and they are mandating it. Yeah. But you better believe I'm walking the streets of L.A. You know, I want, I want to breathe in the air. Yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah. I got a, a man through a bag of, of uh, dog poo. Did I tell you about this? Mm-mm. I was out for a run. I was with my, my brother, and we're, you know, running. It's like hot, you know, shirt off, sweating, going uh-huh. down the street, whatever. Um, I think my, me and my brother, we were probably, you know, five feet away from each other, whatever. It wasn't anything, you know, especially close to each other. We weren't wearing masks, not around anybody. And this man honked his fucking bag of, of poo at my hit my brother, didn't hit me. And I didn't even understand what was going on. I was like I was confused. I thought his 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 poo bag flew out of yeah. his hand or whatever. Yeah. And then I turned back and he's like screaming about wearing a mask. Yeah, all this stuff and then I I couldn't understand because he was wearing the mask exactly, uh. but I heard him yelling about mask or whatever. And uh it's interesting what it's doing to people. Like yeah, it's very divisive. It is. It it is. And I just I saw a clip of um or I read a quote from Anthony Fauci before this all happened, speaking about how like masks are going to be making people overconfident and it's not something that, you know, is, is going to protect us the way they think it's protecting us. Yeah. Um, that was from Dr. Fauci. And like, I, when I read that, I was like, wow, this is before all of this. And this is the same guy who's like, we all have to be wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, I do think it makes people overconfident as a whole. I think it takes away from us interacting with our environment. Um, and I think if we are, planning i don't think we should be around elderly people like i wouldn't see my grandmother or grandfather if yeah, they were alive right sense. now yeah is the societies that have followed a strict 
quarantine, are they potentially setting themselves up for another bounce back as opposed to like more of a, a Swedish approach? It's, which is strange. There's not more control countries like Sweden to mm-hmm. be able to test off of. Is Sweden like the only a br- one country that's that really, really did it? That's the only one that I know of, you know? Crazy. It's cra- it is crazy. But it makes sense in my mind that they will have a more consistent kind of gradual, mm-hmm. you know, slowly the herd sorts it out. But then it's like, well, Sweden's very Stockholm's, you know, I've never been. Have you been to Stockholm? No. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what the population of Stockholm is, but it's not New York City. No. You know, so perhaps it is, a, it's, a, it's a different place. Maybe it's incomparable. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, but and that's where that's where I'm like hoping that we reassess this quarantine because at this point, again, we're based on these old numbers while we're being quarantined. And I think we should reassess and go, okay, like like the older, the sicker population, those with comorbidities, maybe they need to be still quarantined. Why aren't we doing that? I I have no idea. I can't I can't thought I can't even go into that without speculating, you know, like who knows, man? Who knows? I I haven't seen anything hard out there. I guess the belief is that we're still being protected or flattening the curve, you know, but when there's massive amounts of hospital around the United States that are empty, that are furloughing their 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 people, you know, their their workers, it's 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 interesting to me. Why is it that New York got hit so hard and so many other places are furloughing their employees at hospitals? I, I, I definitely think it's a population thing. It's a socioeconomic thing. It's comorbidity thing. Like, I, I, that's, that's my belief, right? Because we have people with comorbidities, you know, like the down south Mississippi and Alabama, they're really sick states. Yeah. But the population is they're much less concentrated than New York, right? Yeah. You have people living on, you know, this farm and then, you know, over there. But in New York, you're on top of each other. I mean, you're always on top of each other. Every building is on top of each other. I, I, th- I think it's a, I think that's the, one of the biggest factors right now. Um, the biggest factor being that I, I think the, the comorbidity, the people who have diabetes out there and hypertension. There's massive amounts of people in New York who have it. Hmm. What happens to a person where they become fearful of bacteria and fearful of like bacteria is bad. So I need to be sanitizing every surface and I need to, okay, I, I touched 15 surfaces today and I sanitized yeah. properly after each one. And yeah, like, that's how we're like, doing it. Like that person, what is, the, what happens to that organism? Yeah. So that, or that organ, I mean, we're not, we're not, we didn't evolve sanitizing, right? We evolved rolling around in the yeah, dirt. It's, it's wild. You man. know, eating food with we needed, dirt on We needed it. more dirt to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. Now, and now, now it's now like, let's just, just ramp it up to 10. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, like we're of this world, of this earth, we're of nature. Right. And as part of that, like, like the plants we see or like the possum that crosses a road, like, we're always, we should be interacting with that as much as possible. And I know you do a great job of that because you're always outside and with your shoes off and breathing in the air and interacting with it, putting your feet in the water, whatever it is. We don't do that. And remember, I just mentioned like we're supposed to eat some foods with some dirt on it, right? Because mm-hmm. we're training and retraining our immune system and our microbiome, right? Those those spore biotics, right? In the soil. Um, those folks who are over sanitizing, we shift our immune system. Right. And then with that shift, we predispose ourselves to other diseases just because of that shift. So we're sanitizing our microbiome and we can do that right with different sanitizers, um, hand sanitizers every single day, affecting our skin microbiome. Right. Breathing in all of that crappy, uh, those chemicals that we're doing to sanitize our tops. That's affecting 
all our whole body as a whole and our immune system is shifting and predisposing us to other diseases so how protective is it for me the best thing that we can do is train our body to be exposed not be stuck in a hyperhygienic apartment but really train our body to be exposed i'm hoping that things start opening up and we can start interacting with people right because again that's how we exchange bacteria right in the air we breathe it's so important and that's how we train our immune system that's how we protect ourselves you know? yeah but the stress of like being home the stress of losing our jobs the stress of being home with domestic abuse partner can you believe you know like how much more damage is that going to cause i think we'll see it later um not only the economics but psych psychologically how people are being affected yeah and i think now more than ever it makes people more complacent and you know perhaps more complicit with going into a place of, of greater separation because like well i could just do this zoom call now yeah i don't need to meet up with christian i don't yeah. even need to wear pants <laughs> i don't need to take a shower yeah just press the button stare into my screen for another yeah. hour yeah you know and then yeah. once i finish that i'll check my notifications and then i'll get on my emails and then i'll jump on the news to see what's going on there you go and then i'll maybe jump onto that youtube video oh it got taken down yeah yeah exactly and, and and we're losing that and you and i before this quarantine we're talking so much about the importance of community and what, like, where is the community now? It, not only just like, oh, you know, I feel good seeing my friends, we're hanging out, but like literally the physiological effects that it has on us as a whole yeah. and connecting to that. And that was one of my top five things for 2020 when the new year started was community was on there for this year to really focus on. So I think more than ever, I hope more than ever, once this opens up, there'll be more community outside of like people going to the bars, but like really like being like, oh yes, like now I can really connect with those people mm. who i was zoom calling you know every every week yeah it's weird man when i see people hug um on the tv <laughs> i get like i get like thrown off yeah like it's it's seriously i see i was like and at first i want to like snitch on them you know or call somebody and yeah. be like they're breaking the rules yeah. i don't actually want to do that uh -huh. that was a real thing though for uh, for for a little bit for a little bit yeah yeah you got a snitch for a little bit because 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 we were believing that we were flattening the curve right yeah. based on again that model where we thought there was going to be a massive amount of, of infections yeah a massive amount of deaths um and again the hospitals that are being overrun there's more that are n much more that are not being overrun versus the ones that we see like in New York, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Chicago, yeah. Michigan, you know. I wonder what the the psychological slash, you know, biological, but uh, the impact of the way that we think and perceive in the world, ourselves, each other, you know, the bacteria invisible all the different invisible enemies that i'm yep. i'm bathing in all the mm -hmm. time i wonder what that does to a person's mind and i wonder how that trickles into the way that the person's cells mm -hmm. manifest themselves mm -hmm. like nocebo yeah you know do you think that there's any relevance of that the way that we think and perceive the world to impact the way that we generate at a cellular level um yes because our thoughts are connected to our health absolutely the way our, I think perception is can shape our reality for sure, but not only just the reality we experience, but like our physical reality that we experience, our body's reality, right? So, um, I mean, just think about it. Like, I can talk. I could start talking to you about like your favorite food, and you'll start producing salivary secretions, right? Yeah. So for sure, the perception is is major, um, but but again, like 
we need to we evolve with bacteria, fungi, viruses, right? We know about we're starting to learn more about the microbiome, right? That is that is all of these buggers, but we learn we know a lot about the bacteria. What about the virus or biome? You know, like we live in conjunction with viruses, and I think that. I truly think that we are only focusing on how we can villainize these things that we catch, but not really focusing on like, well, does it benefit our immune system at all? You know, as we were talking about, maybe, maybe, maybe low grade uh, amount of Epstein-Barr virus is protecting us without even knowing, you know, I think we definitely focus and that's, that's a germ theory, right? Like you catch a germ and the germ kills you and you die. Great. But like, I think we're at a place where we need to start looking at things from the bigger picture. Mm. You know, like I always think when you have like a fungal overgrowth, like let's say candida, like why? Why do some people have so much more candida? Why do when people eat some sugar, they overgrow this fungus in their intestines or their mouth or their vagina or their penis? Like why? And sometimes I think that that network of fungi is protecting us from other things, maybe toxins. You know, how do we not know that these buggers aren't absorbing toxins? So that's what I'm trying to say, like. Instead of villainizing, let's look at our our body as a whole and question like why, why uh, is, is it working together maybe to our benefit more than we think? Mm. Yeah, I wonder what it takes for a person to get to back to a point to kind of heal the f- mental emotional scarring of this experience to to be able to recover themselves back to a place of being able to welcome the outside environment. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's a good test because I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, let's say everything gets lifted in a week. You know, like, hey, we're back to normal. Go go be back to life. Yeah, you're still shrunk up. How many people? You think like that you think everyone's going to go see a Billy Joel concert? You right. know, like what? How long is it going to take till we see that normalcy? I hope that we we come back to normalcy, but we we our mind never goes back to normalcy because we always question what the hell happened. Mm. We always question how America got hit so hard. We always question how what, what went wrong in the government, right? I personally love how people are questioning everything now. This has been such a such an experience to see people like sending me stuff saying hey, you've been saying this since 2013 when you were in your residency or in school and then when you were in residency, you were talking about this. Now there's people putting out videos about this. Like, I love that. I love that my friends who are like very by the book and like, you know, this is how it is and, you know, what conspiracy? Now they're talking about it. It's like really cool because I, I do think that there's a shift in the collective consciousness. Presently, this conversation is pretty, not a not illegal yet. Um but it would certainly be removed from YouTube. Oh yeah, isn't it crazy? Yeah. Free speech gone. Isn't that what? Where it's are going. we? Yeah. It's not gone, but it's going. It's like going. it's like in your fingertips, and it's getting pulled out. It's like a dog like holding onto a frisbee, and the <laughs> the, the master's kind of good. He's got the yeah, angle on yeah. it. It's like pretty much. Like I almost got it. You got a tooth on it. Yeah, but it's it's, <laughs> it's wild. It's wild because let's say you and I did a documentary, just questioning everything, yeah. putting putting some people's uh, experiences, speaking with some experts, and let's say we work really hard and we put that out there, and it spoke truth. It was based on. All these facts, right? It was heavily factually presented. Yeah, that can be pulled down as long as if it's not following. Some yeah, weird you can't narrative. say it. Isn't that crazy. And again, once again, this is goes right back to you know in the beginning talking about how I think Americans you know feel like this is something that happens out there, 
Uh-huh. You know, oh, the, the diseases. Oh, uh-huh. oh man, the, uh-huh. the the SARS and the MERS. That's oh, that's out. <laughs> Yeah. Not in America. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then we see like China and North Korea and like, oh, yeah, they only get to see what the government lets them see. Exactly. You're like, not in America. And then all of a sudden you want to share a video and with can't. a friend and say, look, gone. this is like a really well done, everything's fact checked to the gills. Mm-hmm. And it's on the Internet for two hours before it gets crazy. Pulled. And and that, that. It, for me, and same thing with doctors, right? Doctors coming out doing videos, boom, pulled, you know, like. I've gotten smart enough to screen record all of these things now, but yeah, right. What does that tell you? Like, what does that tell you? Because if it's if it's factual or or doctors' experiences in the ER, right? Them them talking about what what they're seeing, right? What they're seeing with these patients, what they feel about these treatments, right? Are these documentaries all all factual? What's that saying? Like, so anything that challenges the narrative is being quieted fast. Hmm. You know, it it. That's concerning, right? Because if it's quieted fast and it's factual, then what's what's going on, right? Yeah, I mean that to me makes me more skeptical of the narrative than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if the if the person's honest with the thing, wh- whatever the situation is, there's nothing to hide. Say what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's once the person knows that they're in a place of like. You know, they're they're hiding something. I'm not saying this is happening or is not or whatever, but just like basic psychology. That's when the person starts getting kind of shifty and starts, mm-hmm. you know, maybe gaslighting people and doing mm-hmm. weird kind of yeah. kind of things. Like, no, shut up, and yeah, you're yeah, angry yeah, and yeah. down. Yeah, I know. And that's like, what, what, what? And that's what's happening. But the person that's like really going by the books and like, dude, I'm I've been honest every step of the way. Yeah. You can say whatever you want. I yeah. don't have anything to hide from you. Yeah, I'll show you. I'll show Here you. Here it that, is. Yeah, you're wrong. You know, you could say something. They're like, fine. You know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a weird thing to see that that trickle up into you know the way that we consume media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again, like one of my first interventions is stop watching TV. It's it's interesting that we're quarantined and really majority of America is going to put on the TV every single day. Right. If we're home, that's what we're going to do. And God, like these what the what the media has done. I, I watched like three days of the news and I said, I'm never watching this again. I'll get my news. Just I'll check numbers. I'll see. I'll fact check that. But the way the news is putting this out is like it's the end of the world. It's, oh, dude. It's the epidemic. Well, that's the case with the news since forever. But even still, you know, who's, even who's, still it's wild. Well, who's the comedian? It might have been like Louis C.K. or something George like that. George Carlin, I think. Maybe George was, was the one where he's like you're watching the news and it's like there's asteroids coming down and dogs biting people's arms off and babies yeah. are dying and so it's like oh my god yeah. you're like crazy you're inside your little box and then you walk outside and it's <laughs> just like birds I chirping know. in the sun and yeah, people exactly. waving at each other and then you go on? back in like i'm gonna go check out the news it's right back into it the next day yeah yeah riots and looting it's crazy yeah so so i think anyone who's listening and i think most of the people out there i know your listeners are already like really educated about like empowering themselves but if you if you're still watching the news, like just question, the, you know, because the news isn't going to give you factual evidence always. I promise you that hmm. we see that with the numbers already, right? There's a big discrepancy in the numbers w- of of deaths. But like, just just g- go go to like the official websites, check it out. But don't that energy is not for you. Well, the news is vying for your eyeballs, just like any other yeah. media platform. Yeah, they make money. And so if you're getting sensational media is going to be what engages people. So if you can get somebody, all of somebody's 
sphincters to clench up mm-hmm. by just seeing the little little yeah. heading you're yeah. like okay cool they're gonna they're gonna get into that yeah and so then you end up that just it becomes this avalanche of like it just keeps going deeper and deeper into that direction i want someone to send me a clip of saying that 0.01 percent of new yorkers 18 to 45 die from coronavirus because that that should be a headline right so yeah. we know at least if i'm a new yorker let's say we're in new york we go well i'm 36 and you're 20 32 32 33 in a month wow we are glowing coming up yeah Yeah. but like wouldn't we want to know that like oh wow okay you know one news media is telling me i'm going to die from coronavirus but then this headline of 0.01 percent so that's almost no one have you seen the creepy line lion line no no l-i-n-e linea no yeah the uh do you speak spanish yeah okay cool i wasn't sure if that was offensive no 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 no, that's fine (laughs) um so the creepy lines a documentary it's on amazon so if you have amazon prime which imagine probably everybody does um you can just play it now and it just it gets into the the creepy line is at what point does your smart technology become go too far with um, surveilling you, essentially. Mm, yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I personally, part of me doesn't really give a shit if somebody knows, you know, the crap that I Google search and they're advertising me at that for all those sure. reasons, all that stuff. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting, and then part of me, I think it's, it's, it is very interesting because, you know, I have a Siri thing in my place. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of people have some form of that, your phone, whatever it is. All of that stuff is, can be tracked and um, dictated. You know, so as you're speaking, when you like can talk into your phone, mm-hmm. your phone can dictate mm-hmm. that. Like that's your Siri. All that stuff can can do that. It can be saved. That's wild. You know, so we haven't had the full story of what type of surveillance is happening. Like things leak out, and they're like, "Oh my God, that's crazy!" It's like, well, that's been happening for a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so these certain things leak out, and I, I, one thing that I am interested in, not I wouldn't say like overly concerned about, but it is interesting is. You know, I think it would be fascinating with, you know, we have this smart technology in our house, your microwave, your, you know, whatever. If it could perhaps, perhaps this is happening, but it could like flag certain words. Yeah. You know, imagine every time a person, you're joking with your friends and you're yeah. talking about fill in the blank thing that would yeah. charge up the, you know, the, the man. Yeah. It could flag that. I'm just making this stuff up. But it could flag that, dictate that and kind of go into your Dr. Christian file. You know, yeah. and that's this is this is that's just some crazy shit that I was thinking about earlier that kind of freaked me out. The reason that I'm mentioning that is one of the things they get into is the the power that Google has or Facebook or any of these media platforms that are supposed to be completely neutral. Mm-hmm. The power that they have on shifting people's perspective on politics. Mm-hmm. You know, so all this stuff, it's like, okay, cool. They know that I'm into blue shorts. Now they're sent, hit me with all these blue short stuff. Yeah. Like whatever, no big deal. It's just advertising, but. When you Google search something or looking at your Facebook trends or whatever it may be, and you see, oh, there's more of you know this prerogative or this political perspective, yeah. whatever it may be, yeah. that's been shown based off of the research that I saw in this creepy line documentary last night um, to shift people's political perspectives. Wow. It was like 63% wow. um, of the time it would shift their perspective over to that thing. And then if they would, it, when it was blatant, I'll shut up in a second, but when it was blatant with the search results, it was, they were like three quarters of the people would be like, oh, it seemed pretty blatant. When they just shifted it up just a little bit, it like cranked up That's to like, so you know, 83% didn't notice. When they shifted just a little bit more, still it shifted their perspective. I think the number was 63% of the time. Um, and 100% of people didn't notice anything. Wow. And that's 
happened uh, from what I saw in this documentary uh, with Facebook, they were more leaning more towards liberal perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so they would kind of cut out conservative stuff, Um, you know, and all that stuff is fine. Like that's all the news networks tend to do that. Um, but when the platform such as a Google, you know, everyone's got that in their phone, they reach in, they type in things. Mm-hmm. It's said to be a, a, just a completely neutral source. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a, actually a potential massive, yeah, uh, big influencer right there, big influencer, which is scary it's and pretty interesting. And, and is that like a microcosm of what happens across the board? You know, are we just not noticing it? Like you said, like those people weren't noticing it. Yeah. Um, are we just not noticing like what we're being fed, which is why I don't watch TV. Yeah, we're malleable creatures, man. Yeah. Programming. Yeah, the best way like to influence is like create separation and shit. TV's been doing that forever, right? Politics been doing that forever. So it's like, I think we're at a place now where we want, where there's so much separation, there's so much fear, right? Fear. Uh, and those two is the perfect formula for uh, control, right? We're looking for a savior. Like, yeah. Tell me that the just get me out of this thing. Whatever, yeah. whatever, you, whatever, whatever you need. Just get me out of this. I thing. I want to get back to work. Yeah. Right. Um. I, I don't want to. I don't want my grandma to get sick. I don't want my aunt to get sick. What do we? What can we take? Yeah. Right. And then here comes our savior with a vaccine, Bill Gates. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy where we are with this. You know, a vaccine that we don't. That that the two biggest pro vaxxers are saying that it is not safe. We couldn't find any safe vaccine when we tried mm. but now they're rushing it for what you said like january february that's crazy you know so if it's mandatory you will see me fly to outer space and live there because you know like there there will be no way that i would be getting it well i'm hoping to be able to pay off a doctor like you i'm gonna <laughs> be hitting you up and say dr exactly. g yeah what right? do i gotta pay you exactly i bought a gold gold bar during this, a gold during, this during this thing i'll get you i'll flip you a gold coin if you give me the at, give me the, the check mark at this point di- <laughs> uh, yeah exactly at this point a, a dinner from like gracias madre Cafe gratitude will do okay. i haven't had to in those restaurants in forever oh yeah good boy yeah i miss those so yeah, yeah. Right. and that's that's what it is man all right well thanks so much for doing all the work to understand to the best that any of us can to the best yeah no one understands out there anyone who tells you like they if there's a er doctor who tells you exactly what it is they don't know you know no one knows no one knows right now no one knows how many people are dying no one knows how many people are infected we have ideas i personally think it's a big way more infections you know way less deaths but you know this is where we are right now this is the state of the coronavirus Hmm. damn well that's the name of the episode state of the coronavirus there you go all right. Um, any final words for people before before sending off? Shoot, um, I've been on this podcast before. Yeah. So. Um, well, outside of we did outs- outside of I mean I'll, I'll I mean I highly recommend people go check out oh. Heal Thyself podcast and any other stuff, but it's just words of like. But yeah. Final words. Yeah. F- find like, do what you're empowered to do. Turning off your TV. Mm. Do what you're empowered to do. Going outside. It doesn't matter if there's sun or not. Being outside is so important. Taking your shoes off, putting it on earth surfaces, eating a variety of plant-based foods, different colors, getting all those antioxidants, not only for your respiratory system, but for your immune system as a whole, reducing oxidation, uh, and then do some stress relief. Either yoga, exercise at your house, breath work, get get one of your bands that I was using when I was in, in Palm Springs, like just do something. And those those things are what you're empowered to do. Hmm. Awesome. And then check out your podcast, obviously. Check out a podcast. Heal thyself. 
I'm very impressed. I'm not going to just try to blow smoke up your ass and pitch your podcast, but I'm really impressed. You're one of the few podcasts that I actually listen to. Thank and you. Your uh, your it. breakdowns of stuff. You're like it. an impressive human being. I'm trying to keep up with you. It's fucking great. <laughs> Anything else? It's all love. <laughs> it's all love. <laughs> all right. Over and out. Thanks so much for tuning all in. Right. Um, and yeah, stay safe out there. Thank you all so much for tuning in to that conversation. I, As I mentioned previously, um, I hope you take everything that you're hearing in podcasts, that you're hearing from experts of all sorts, that you're hearing in mainstream media on the news, um, everything with a grain of salt, because truly information is changing. It's fluctuating so fast. You know, everything that you hear, it's like dog years, crony years, you know, a few days passes and then all of a sudden the whole world is different. Um, so I think that people are, you know, like Dr. Christian Gonzalez are doing their damnedest to stay up to date with what the heck is going on. And that's what uh, we are doing with this conversation. So I hope it's helpful to you. And I hope that uh, you found some good tidbits in there. If you did and you want to share them, you can share them on Instagram, be a fine place, wherever you're into doing your shares. Uh, you can tag me at Align Podcast and you can tag Dr. G at uh, Dr. Period G underscore at, uh, on the Instagram. So greatly appreciate you guys sharing this with your friends. And um, if you want to learn how to sit in a more effective fashion, you can jump over to alignpodcast.com where I give y'all a free video tutorial breakdown on how to sit more effectively, also how to stand more effectively if you're using a standing desk, and also how to be on the ground. Uh, so all these things, it's not about what you do, it's about how you do it. And in that video, you'll find alignpodcast.com. Uh, you will learn exactly how to do you a bit more effectively. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and uh, I'll see you next week.